Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm super excited to have on the call today, Christopher Hawkins, who is the founder of 100K Freelancing, the podcast. And if you go to 100K, that's 100kfreelancing.com, you can find that podcast. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the focus of today's conversation is actually in and around clients and this idea of how to get more work from clients, from existing clients that you have. So if you're in any capacity a service provider, I think this is going to be a great podcast episode because we're going to talk about what's that approach? How do we, if you already have existing clients or you know a Rolodex of previous clients, are there ways that you could get more work from them? So that's where we're going to kind of kick this off with. But Christopher, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Tom, it's my pleasure to be here in the trenches. That's where I live and breathe. I love it. So take me through this. Like, what's what's your process? We talked a little bit offline about this, but this idea of getting more work from current clients, start maybe with why is that valuable? Like, why is that something that we should focus on? Well, it all started when I went through a three-year period where I was, to be perfectly honest, I was kind of neglecting my consulting business. I had caught startup fever. It was the golden age of the SaaS app. And I had bought into the idea that you can just create a set it and forget it SaaS app that will just spit out money, right? And all your problems will be solved. And I spent about three years working my way toward that, right? I, I just, the FOMO really had its hooks in me. And I started looking at my consulting practice as something that was holding me back from something better. All those SaaS dollars, they're so easy to reach out and look, right? So I spent about three years doing that. That didn't work out. I realized that I needed to just go back and dance with who brought me, so to speak, which is to refocus on my consulting business. But during those three years, even though I wasn't doing any SEO work, I wasn't doing any active marketing, uh, I, I really wasn't doing any anything, I was still doing work and I was continuing to do work because I was continuing to sell new projects to existing clients. I think during that whole three years, Tom, I took on maybe two clients for small one-off jobs the bulk of my income, which, which never dropped below six figures, despite my, my overall marketing neglect was just recurring work by leveraging my existing client relationships. And when I came out on the other side, I realized that I had learned, I had learned kind of a valuable lesson. And, uh, it's something that when I mentor freelancers, my students very often overlook this. How can I get more leads? How can I get more traffic, more leads, more opt-ins, more, more contacts on my contact form, more phone calls. And that's all fine, but that's also very difficult to do. It's hard to rise above the noise. If you have a going concern, if you have people who are already sold on you, sell to those people first. That's basic lesson that I learned during those three years. And I've been trying to more and more communicate that lesson to the freelance community because, as I said, it's not the first thing most people think of. Most people think of those shiny new stranger leads that they want to go after, completely forgetting that their own contact list might be a virtual goldmine. Okay, so this is interesting. So these don't have to be clients that you have an active engagement with, but they could be clients that 
you've already done a project for. So maybe maybe a few few months ago, maybe a year ago or something like that. Is that correct? Or does it or does it typically work better if you're in a current engagement with a client to like then segue into more work with that client? That's always going to be the ideal. That's the that's like the A scenario, right? That's the gold plated top of the line platinum A scenario is I'm doing an engagement with you and by the time that engagement ends, I've already set up the next engagement with you. Now, that's not always possible. The B scenario would be that I stay in touch with you. I nurture the relationship. We have some kind of active engagement even after your first consulting engagement ends. We have some kind of nurturing campaign. We keep in touch. We talk. We schedule calls to check in and just kind of talk about the state of your business, which then leads to another engagement. A C scenario would be we do an engagement, you're very happy, you don't really have any other needs at the moment, so you go away, and maybe I don't do a great job of staying in touch with you, but because we had that prior positive experience, when I do come back around eventually, or, or when you do have another project, you think of me, or I reach out to you and you're open to it. And the kind of the D scenario would be, we haven't talked in a while, we did an okay project, but you are, you're as close to being a cold lead as you can be without actually being a cold lead. And that takes a little bit of re of a revitalization effort. And that was, that was actually, I, I hate to say it, there was a lot of that going on when I decided to refocus on consulting, a lot of deactivated clients that I had to kind of, you know, blow on the coals and get the fire stoked again. So there are a few different modalities that this thing uh, takes on, but yes, the, the ideal is that you're just making this happen as you go along with your active clients. Okay. Interesting. Do you have any, I don't, and we can take this whichever direction you want, but I'm curious like the process you use to do this. Because I, I do a lot of client engagement work. At this point in time, still doing a lot of like service-based work. I typically don't really think outside the box in that regard. I'm, I always think, okay, I'm hired for you know, this thing. Sure. You know, I'm not really thinking about that next whatever it is. So what's, what's the mindset and what's the process to like even just you know, find these opportunities? Well, let me address the A scenario first. You and I are in, say, uh, an active engagement. We're in the middle of, say, a custom software development project. That's primarily what I do over here at Koji and Systems. We do business automation. We'll go into a business. It's not running well, or everything's on paper, and everything's like 1953 General Motors command and control style management. Nobody shares information. Uh, we'll map the business, and we'll build customized tools to, to help straighten out that workflow. What I'll be doing when I'm doing this is I'll be asking you as we go along about other systems that my system touches, other systems that rely upon the system I'm implementing for you, other systems that my system may rely upon. The idea is to get a complete map of your client's business operation. Too many of us, uh, I, you know, I'll say most of us, Tom, probably, especially as developers coming from a technical background, we're very focused on the thing, right? What are you doing? I'm building a thing. Okay, that's fine, but if we want to have actual businesses, we cannot be content to let the thing kind of roll down on the conveyor belt and then we add our widget to the thing and then we watch it roll away on the conveyor belt and disappear. That's not going to get us anywhere. That's just being a technician and technicians mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. commodities, okay? Mm -hmm. That's why I ask a lot of questions. I, I basically Socratic technique my way into getting a more complete picture of the business a more complete picture of the dependencies and interdependencies of the system that I've already been hired to build. And if I see an opportunity, if I hear a pain point, 
if I can elicit a pain point about some other system somewhere in the value chain, great. Then we start having conversations about that. We don't take the focus off of the current engagement because that would be, that would be shorting the client. We, our, our, our primary effort is always on a successful engagement, but we'll have a couple of conversations. I might send you an email, Tom. Hey, you know that interdependent system we talked about earlier? How does blah work? Why does X happen? Why does Z work the way it does? I will begin kind of a soft discovery process while we're still engaged in the, the primary engagement. By the time we reach the end of the primary engagement, it's already been set up. You've already brought to light that, well, we also have this other thing that relies on your system or that interworks with your system or, or that maybe runs in a completely different department. And you and I have already kind of agreed in principle that this is an issue that needs some work on. Maybe I shoot you a proposal right away when the main engagement's over. Maybe we talk about it a little bit. Maybe you need to wait a quarter to get your budget straightened out. That's okay because it's already teed up. It's already something that you and I agree we need to address. That makes the ultimate sale, whether it happens immediately upon the close of the primary engagement or whether it happens a little bit down the road, so much easier. So much easier because we've already been amongst it. We've already touched it even with the engagement that we're working on right now. We've already agreed that this needs work. The only question now is when. That's the A scenario. I'm going to jump all the way to the D scenario mm -hmm. because I think a lot of folks are probably going to be starting from there if they're not accustomed right. to selling things to their. So you've got a D scenario. You've got a good little uh, consulting practice going, a lot of successful engagements, decent client list. You can look back upon, you know, multiple successful projects. If you have not been keeping in touch with those clients, that was your first mistake. Immediately immediately email some of those clients and do not pitch them. Just touch base with them. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how whatever it is that you built for them, whatever you supplied them, whatever service you gave them, how is that working out? How is business? Hope everything's going well. See if you can schedule a call to check in with them. Some of them will respond. Some of them won't. Some of them may have forgotten who you are. Some of your old contacts may have quit and moved on. But if you can get even a handful of them to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that was great. That's just, it's still working great. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. Sure, sure. We, we can talk for, you know, 15 minutes, whatever it's, you know how it is, Tom. It is sometimes you just, you have to get in how you get in. And if they can only give you five minutes, you take the five minutes, talk to them, see how things are going. That's going to be the seed. After that, they've agreed to talk to you. They've been receptive to your emails. Uh, maybe they've discussed their business with you. Maybe you hear a pain point that you can pitch something for. Great. Maybe not. You just get back in touch with them. Maybe now you're just back on the radar. That's okay too. But that's the point at which you need to start your nurturing campaign. Figure out a schedule. How often should I keep in touch with these people? Once a month works really well. What should I say to them? Well, again, if a pain point came up, maybe pitch them something. If you see an article somewhere that pertains to what that client does, maybe send it to them. Hey, thinking of you. And little by little, you kind of warm them up to your presence in their business again. And then you want to schedule another call a couple months later. Hey, talk for five, 10 minutes. Tell me how things are going. Great eventually, and this doesn't have to be super time consuming, but eventually somebody is going to say, oh man, you know what? We've got this thing and it is such a pain in the backside. Maybe we should talk about that. Oh, okay. Well now I smell blood in the water, right? Maybe there's something here. It sounds stupidly simple, but the bottom line is maintain a connection with those clients. Ideally you like them as people, yeah. right? So you don't mind talking to them. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually take some notes on this. 
because I want to implement this after our call. Uh, So I'll identify previous clients, at least the ones that, you know, uh, you know, that I definitely did get along with. And I thought there was like a lot more work to be because obviously I'm not going to go maybe the ones that were a little tougher to deal with. I probably I may not want to reach back out, but I wouldn't recommend it. Right. Okay. So I'm going to make a list of the uh, previous clients where we did good work and and it was a good engagement um, on both sides. I'm going to reach out to them probably via email, just touch base just to check in with what they're doing. That's basically it, right? Just, hey, how you doing? That kind of thing. Is that tip? Is that like a good email that you might recommend to somebody where it's, I won't say it's a, it's not a cold relationship, but it's been maybe a minute. It's been maybe a few months since you've spoken to this person. Is, yeah. is there a particular like type of way you'd frame that that message? You know, just getting back in touch is great. I always like to try to get on the phone with people. Email is great. We do all this automation stuff with email and 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 everybody's very, very focused on that. To be perfectly frank, I close deals over the phone. That's pretty much the only way I've ever closed deals. And, and, and I, I will be so bold as to say more deals get closed over the phone than will ever get closed via email. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm biased from my mm-hmm. own experience. But I, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I always try to get these folks on the phone and actually chat with them. An email is easy to ignore. An email is easy to forget about. You can't connect with an email. You can't build rapport with an email. The email is just the awareness device, right? You make them aware of your presence again. Oh, that's right. Tom still exists. That guy that did that great project for us, he still exists. How nice to hear from Tom. You don't want them to forget about it after that, though. I always try to get them on a call just to check in. Hey, can we talk for 15 minutes about how business is going? Great. You get on the phone. Well, now you're talking to a real human being. You're inviting them literally into your body, into your skull, through their eardrums, into their brain. Mm-hmm. That's a connection. That's a real thing. You're talking to an actual human being who is expressing interest in uh, how they can help you. That's way more powerful than just a, you know, some text popping up on their screen. Oh, Hey, so-and-so, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Great. Thanks. Bye. That's only going to get you so far. You got to get past the awareness and you have to reconnect and the connection. It, it requires real human interaction. I, I feel really strongly about that. And I know a lot of you technical types, a lot of you geeky types. I'm one too. Sometimes we shy away from that, but that is what it takes. And, and there's just no getting around that. I'm with it on the phone call thing. My question yeah. is this, I guess, um, specifically, because I'm of the mindset where, you know, hey, can I, you know, pick your brain for 15 minutes is like right. the worst way to approach something when it comes to a call, right? Um, <laughs> right? And so my question specifically is not, definitely not challenging the call. I think the phone call is fantastic. Right. But is there a particular way to approach that? Because I think the idea of like, hop on a call, check in and see how business is going, it almost still comes off, at least the way I'm picturing it, is like, well, there's not much value add. I'm wondering if something like, uh, if it makes sense to do something like, hey, just check in and see how business is going. I've worked on a few projects recently, got some great insights. I'd love to hop on a call and catch up with what you're working on and maybe share some of the insights I've learned from X, Y, or Z or something like that. Is something like, is, what are your thoughts? That's what I'm saying is how do we craft that message to get on the phone call? I'm, I'm a big pro. I love, I love this thing because I do this. Like I get on calls all the time. So I'm right. always looking for great ways to approach via email or otherwise to get on a call. And I'm just wondering what's the most effective way for us to get on a call. Right. Okay. You opened your mouth and my words came out because that's more or less where I was going to go. A good way, a good way to take it beyond just let me pick your brain for 15 minutes. If you have a prior project, you can always do a call out to that, check and see if everything's still working okay, which is a nice way to avoid getting into a situation where you're starting to pitch something to somebody when they're pissed off because your system hasn't been working for a while and they don't, more maybe they don't use it anymore. It's a smoke test, right? You want to make sure everything is cool. You want to make sure that you're not seen as that guy who fouled everything up before you go trying to pitch them. 
if you can get beyond that, oh yeah, yeah, project's going great. Thank you so much. We love our new, whatever, our new website, our new web app, our new mobile app, whatever. Great. Good to know. That's when you would use a tactic like what you just brought up. You say, oh, I've worked on some similar projects. I've learned some things. Here are some things that might help you. Bullet point, bullet point. Can we get on a call and maybe talk about how, you know, X, Y, Z. Got it. So it sounds like, yeah, then it sounds like that first email is not not pushing for a call per se, but just checking in something very easy to respond to, say, just checking in on business, how are things going. And then then depending on like when you get that response, then segueing into a call. Once yeah. you have some more context. Yeah, you can ask for a call right away, I suppose. But uh, I, I always like to make a very gentle, it's almost like a probe, right? I'm just probing. I want to make sure that A, my presence is even welcome, right? B, that you don't have anything that's lingering that you're upset at me about, which, which oftentimes can be good because more often uh, than I can even tell you, a client has said, yeah, you know that thing you built two years ago? It's working great, but we really need it to do this other thing too. Can we talk about that? Great. Now, I mean, that's ding, ding, ding. You know, you've got a winner, but really gentle approach. Just make them aware of you. Make yourself aware of whether there's any kind of built-in obstacles. And if not, that's when you start going beyond that. That's when you start going into, let's set up a call because I think I can help you with X, Y, Z. Or I did A for client B and it worked out this way and they're in the same business you're in. So maybe this would be good for you. And would you say that it's, it's, it's important or relevant to, to actually bring up like the specific engagement you were hired, hired for? I think so. And, and here's the reason why people are incredibly busy. If you haven't yeah. been in touch with this client for say a year, well, that project may have been the most important thing you had going on at the time, but to your point of contact at the company, it, it was just, it was one of a hundred things that their mm-hmm. boss was writing about. So I'm sure they haven't forgotten you, but you are not an active part of their business day. You are out of sight. You are out of mind. You want to very gently reintroduce yourself. Hey, so-and-so I am Tom. I'm the guy that helped you launch that great book last year that sold 50,000 copies. Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember. Oh, Tom was a nice guy. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. But the question is how I'm doing. The question is how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Then you go into your, your whatever your rapport building tactic may be, right? Here's an article that addresses something in your industry. Here's something that I've done that I think may aid you. Here's uh, some other thing that uh, communicates value to you that I may be able to provide 15-minute phone call, et cetera, et cetera. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that does. That's interesting. And bear in mind, even though I talk about this kind of thing with my students, uh, it's still enough of a thing that when I do it here, I'm almost on autopilot. I don't have a script that I follow. I don't have a, a really strict process. I mean, I, I do the initial probe, and then I start talking about you know, ways to uh, communicate value, reasons for us to have a call, um, some kind of mutual interest. But I don't follow a script. I haven't processed it. I haven't, I haven't systematized it. I go very much by feel. I, I get a lot out of reading the words that come back to me from that first email probe. I get a lot out of kind of gauging the tenor, gauging the tone of the email. Is it really terse? Like really, really terse? Yeah, they're probably not excited to hear from me. Uh, are there lots of exclamation points? Oh, we may have a winner. Is it boilerplate? Right. Just very boilerplate. Okay. They're acknowledging me, but they're not really feeling me. I, I may right. need to really wow them with my follow-up. A lot of it is very, very soft. And in the interest of full disclosure, because one of the things that I hate, Tom, is when I hear freelancers who have quote unquote made it giving really glib tone deaf advice 
that only worked for them because of their circumstances and really probably can't be implemented by other people. I do have a little bit of a sales background. I worked a few sales jobs way back in the day uh, when I was in college, just telemarketing, sold some jewelry. So my, my point being, I've had enough of a sales experience in my, in my work history that I'm kind of over the whole rejection thing. <laughs> and I've, I've got some practice, some practice in reading between the lines when I'm interacting with people. If somebody's coming from a purely technical background, they may or may not have developed those skills. Hopefully they've developed those skills just from working in a team, maybe negotiating for resources against another department, maybe by managing people below them. You can pick up those skills a lot of different places, but just full disclosure, if you don't have any of that kind of experience, then you maybe should systemize the way you go about this and just maybe don't deviate from that until you've you feel like you're kind of picking up on the, the words in between the words, so to speak. No, I like it. Okay, great. So yeah, I think that's like super valuable, very easy to execute, or at least sure. very simple to execute, which is nice. So it gives people a process, which I'm all about. Okay, so we get on the call. You know, is there any, any way that you particularly frame this call? And if there's any like things that like, this is how you, you know, depending on how that conversation is going, like you want to bring up X, Y, or Z, or, and are there particular questions you ask? Is there any way that, you know, is there anything in that call, like specific tactics or techniques that you might use to help kind of get you to the next step, which you know, if there's, you know, a, a need for it. Does that question make sense? Yeah. The go-to tactic first is listening. Some of the time, and, and I can't tell you what portion of the time, but some of the time, just the fact that you've reintroduced yourself will get that person thinking about other problems they have that fit into the, the general universe of problems that you solve, seeing as they've already worked with you. I'll say a third of the time. It might be more, might be a little less, but my point being, very often I'll get on a call with somebody and just the fact that we had a call schedule, just the fact that I've reintroduced myself, just the fact that I've told them, Hey, I saw this article and thought of you, or Hey, I worked on this thing for this other person in your industry. Very often we'll get on the phone and they will immediately go into this thing that they've identified. That's a pain and they really want to get it worked on. And it just turns into a big info dump and I remain silent. I let their words hang. I listen. It's almost like when I interview people on my podcast and I kind of hear what they're saying in the space between the things they're saying, right? And I drill down on that. Same idea, huge info dump. I've got this problem. I'm so glad you emailed. We're dealing with this and this and that, and this is broken and so-and-so is not doing her job. And Rosa over in accounting is just getting on my nerves because she's always doing this. I just listen and I kind of piece together the pattern. And then if there's a, a clear pattern of something that is addressable, something that we can begin doing discovery in right away. We'll talk about that. And that very often turns into a, a prospective project. Sometimes you don't hear that. Sometimes it's a very casual conversation. Oh yeah, things are going fine. The website is great. Everybody loves it. We've barely even needed to make any changes to it, which is horrifying to hear, but that's okay. And very often I may talk to somebody and I, I just don't hear, I don't hear a pain point. I don't hear a plea. I don't hear a addressable issue. And if so, that's totally cool. I still demonstrate expertise and value in some way, even if it's just a tip. Did you know that you can do X with the thing I built you? Really? Yes, yes, you can. Maybe you should try that. It might help you with Y problem. Did you know that other competitors in your industry are doing Z? No, I didn't know that. Maybe it's worth trying. You might get X result out of it. But at a certain point, once you've demonstrated expertise and you provided some value, if there's just nothing there, there's just nothing there, 
today. And that's all right. But it all starts with listening. Because very often, simply listening to what the client says, assuming they're being verbose enough and giving you something to listen to, can lead you to hear that moment where you say, aha, there's something there. There's a handle that I can grasp onto. There's an issue that I can address. There's a plea built into what this client is saying to me. And I can address that plea. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. If you listen and you don't hear that, that's fine. You can offer up some things. And, and, and when we're demonstrating our expertise and we're providing value, we're, we're offering up some things. Sometimes that will spur something. Oh, that's possible? Oh, well, let's talk about that. Great. Again, now maybe we found a path to something that we can turn into a project. And then at times you get the one-syllable answers, right? <laughs> I'm sure you've had clients like that. I hope you haven't had any podcast guests like that, but that's the loneliest feeling in the world. Being on the phone with a client, you're thinking, okay, you agree to speak with me but you really don't have anything to say to me, that can be tough. That can be like pulling teeth. And again, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. Whatever words they are expressing to you, again, you have to kind of listen for the plea. And then, of course, there are those cases where, where you're just, you get off the call and you're like, okay, they're aware of me. We're on friendly terms, but there's just nothing happening there. And so you put them into your nurturing campaign and you move on. Okay, interesting. No, that's cool. That's, I think that's, that's very useful. Now, if, if you do see that plea uh, or you find that like there is that, you know, a, a clear need or, or even like a direct request, like what do you think is the best way to approach that? It's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, let's go into a, a proposal process. Like oh, I'll follow up with a proposal or, or you follow into whatever kind of process you do, whether it's road mapping first or whatever, or like how would you typically approach that? And I'm sure there's a lot of variables, but what would be maybe a case where, that's happened to you. you. You got on this call, you found that there was a new thing, new, new problem that you can provide the solution for. What are your next steps? I used the phrase soft discovery uh, in my answer earlier. If you hear a plea built into what the client is saying, or, or even if you get an explicit plea, right? In the, the case of the info dump when they're, they're mad at really accounting because she's messing up the spreadsheet. Okay. Soft discovery. It's not a formal discovery process. A formal discovery process is real work and it has to be paid for. But once you hear the plea, you don't want to immediately start pitching. You want to go into soft discovery. And when I say soft discovery, what I really mean is I start asking a lot of why questions. So Rosa in accounting is screwing up your spreadsheet. Okay. Why do you think she's do that? What do you need Rosa to do instead? What do you do when you get that spreadsheet from Rosa? Really? Why do you do that? Oh, okay. Why do they want that from you? Okay. What do they do with it? Why, 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 what, 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 you know, the W questions, who, what, when, why, and how you got to get a mental picture of what the problem is. And that initial info dump is usually going to be a little on the emotional side, a little frantic. It may be something that was bottled up that they've just, just couldn't wait to tell you once you reintroduce yourself to them. So it's usually not going to be really well thought out or very analytical. The analysis has to come from you. You don't want to put too much effort into it, mind you. But you definitely want to ask some good why questions so you can get a clear picture of what their real goals are. What's the real issue? The real issue is not that Rosa in accounting is messing up the spreadsheet and, and making your point of contact angry. The real issue is maybe they have a lack of process. The real issue is that maybe they're, you know, double entering data. The real issue might be that management is asking for metrics from people that they're ill-equipped to provide. It, it could be a million things. And, and those examples are highly biased toward my particular type of work. But the point is we can't pitch something until we know what it is we're trying to cure. It's a little like, uh, like if I went to the doctor 
Now everybody knows. And he hands me a package of antibiotics. Well, hang on a minute. Like you haven't checked for a fever. You haven't, you know, used the, uh, you know, the little tool with the light on it where they look in your ears and your nose and your throat. Nothing. Just antibiotics. Really? Okay, great. Thanks doc. What are you treating? He doesn't know. If we start pitching the minute somebody has a problem, we don't know what we're treating. We don't know what kind of problem we're trying to fix. And so we're almost certain to send them a, uh, you know, a, a proposal, a quote, an estimate. We're making a wild pitch. Mm-hmm. And whoever the decision maker is, whether it's your point of contact, whether it's their boss, somebody higher up the chain, they're going to look at this and say, what even is this? This doesn't solve anything that we're dealing with. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's self-explanatory. I actually really like that. I think there's a lot of value in that. So it's, you call it soft discovery? Soft discovery, just asking a bunch of why questions to get a, to get a, a high level handle on what the nature of their problem is. The details, the nitty gritty details, that's more of a hard discovery, like, like capital D discovery, where you actually book a time slot and go out there and walk them through the nitty gritty details of the problem. And then that enables you to give them a proper proposal. But the soft discovery comes first. If you're on the phone, you're reintroducing yourself, they indicate a problem. Why questions? Why questions? Why questions? Why questions? This is interesting. And I think we maybe we talked about this before was this idea of like uh, moving toward like a road mapping session first before you go into big proposals, which is something I'm now trying to implement. And it's it's interesting. I don't have any success or failure with the X. I'm just implementing it. But this idea of the soft discovery versus hard discovery, it's makes sense to me. Like I can kind of put in context, typically right now I'm having, when somebody comes in and inquires, I have them fill out like a, a basic intake form and then schedule a call. That call will be about 20 to 30 minutes. And that's really my soft discovery process because from there I was going to lead them into uh, the first proposal, so to speak, was just going to be that that hard discovery, the roadmap. Uh, so that's right. the, the system I'm setting up. Is that, do you, does that sound about right? Because I think we talked about this before, like a week or so ago when we were yeah, offline. We did. We yeah, we did. Yeah, you know, I like that. And I know that there are firms out there that that have a very, very nailed down process for, I've heard it called road mapping. I've heard it called trail mapping. I've heard it called discovery. I've heard it called uh, requirements, elicitation, all sorts of things. But the bottom line is at some point, somebody is going to have to figure out the precise detailed nature of what it is we propose to fix, what outcome we propose to create. Uh, the process by which we're going to solve a problem. So yes, uh, you mentioned doing a kind of an, like an intake questionnaire almost. I think that's fantastic. That's more, that's more of the stranger leads move, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Somebody, uh, uh, you know, you're paying attention to your SEO fundamentals. Somebody reads your material, they sign up Mm -hmm. for your newsletter. They have however many contacts with you that as it takes before they're ready to ask about a real project. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to have that kind of client questionnaire or or project questionnaire in cases when I'm trying to reactivate a client though, the last thing I want to do when I'm on the phone with them is break that human connection that I just remade and say, you know, could, could you just hold that thought and maybe please go to my type form and just put it in there? No, because I will lose them. Mm -hmm. I will shoulder the burden for the client in that case. I will sit here and I'll fill out my own type form uh, Mm -hmm. that I would ordinarily send to a new client. I'll fill it out myself. I will take that burden on because my goal here is not to increase their cognitive load. I want to make things as smooth and easy as possible because by golly, I want to do another project with this client. So as they're info dumping on me on the phone, I am taking notes. And you know what? If you don't use Typeform, if you don't have any kind of a client onboarding system, A, get one. But B, in the meantime, just open up Notepad and start typing. 
listen to what they say, type the big bullet points. It's like when we were in college, right? And we had to learn how to kind of pick out the things from lecture. Oh, that sounds important. That'll be on the exam. I better write that thing down. And then other things, maybe you don't have to write down what the professor says verbatim. It's the same idea. It's just learning, learning to hear the urgency, learning to hear the plea that's in the client's words, learning to hear the details that from your professional experience, you know, are going to be relevant later on and just take note of that stuff. But yeah, I, I think you, I think you're absolutely in the right. If you're not doing a reactivation campaign, Tom, if you're trying to address new clients, have some kind of a questionnaire to gather some basic project details, and you're going to have to talk to them on the phone later. You know that I'm not uh, revealing any, any big secret by saying that, but by collecting those details up front, it kind of gives you a chance to be prepared for the phone call. You know what items look a little light on details. And okay, I definitely need to drill down on that when we get on the phone. I need to ask them what they mean when they say blah, because blah is not usually how people say. And, and that will give you a good starting point. But with a reactivated client, not so much. I, I would really hesitate from sending them through any kind of automated onboarding. Totally. No, I, I, and I, I probably should have stipulated that, that I was kind of... Uh, shifting to a different prospect oh, sure. angle um but just sure. understanding kind of the the juxtaposition between like old and and, and new client but old client i'd probably move yeah. move again I, yeah i definitely get rid of like that initial you know soft i mean you're doing the soft discovery essentially on that call so you can kind of yeah. move straight to the hard discovery or the paid discovery or road mapping or or to the proposal essentially right after right. that this is is kind of what i'm gathering Unless you think it's like one of those things where, I guess, depending on, and this would be maybe a contextual thing, uh, it doesn't make sense to schedule another call to like do that, whether paid or, or, or free. But either way, that, that might be the right way to segue. Yeah. Again, if you've got a connection and they're entrusting you with information and they're, and they're sharing a pain point, don't break that chain. Don't break that chain. Gather what you can. And, and sometimes you do want to schedule another call, but not prematurely. You don't want to excuse yourself from the current call you have enough information that you can present them with a compelling reason mm. to schedule another call or to schedule a discovery session or to, to take whatever the next indicated step is. I wonder how many times in the past I've done that accidentally maybe because I, I think about it, I can, already, I can already think of times where it's like, yeah, I don't know if I actually got all the information I needed, but my right. impulse was to like close off the conversation for whatever reason. It's kind of weird, right? But that's actually a really good way to think about it is, hey, don't hang up. Don't finish that call till you have everything you need to actually put something together for them. Yeah. You know, I, there are there is a boundary there. We don't want to give away too much of our time for free. We don't want to fall into that trap where we get stuck on, say, a three-hour phone call and we try to collect every little nitty-gritty detail of the project. What we're looking for in a case like this is enough of a handle on the project, the high-level details, the high-level pain points, maybe some gross numbers if you can get them, but, but even that usually comes up in hard discovery. Enough of a grasp of what the pain they're describing is that we can then use what they told us to compellingly pitch them on some kind of a follow-up, hopefully a paid follow-up, like a hard discovery session. There's definitely a line at which, okay, I, I've got the high-level details that I need, now I'm safe to excuse myself from this call and be in touch with them later and then try to book something. Sometimes that line is fuzzy. Sometimes it's very wide and it's bright and it's marked with big flashing neon lights. Other times, find that line is tough. That line is, is thin and dim and it's hidden underneath underbrush. A lot of that comes down to professional experience, Tom. Sometimes you'll just know. And then other times, you know, maybe you won't. So the idea is once you get to the point where 
we're getting into territory that really rightfully should be called paid work, right? Rather than we're no longer just kind of asking some high level questions. We're getting into nitty gritty. We're getting into implementation details, right? We're getting into the how. All we want to collect is the why. The how mm. comes later. We figure that out when we're being mm-hmm. paid. The how, the what, those kind of things are okay to collect. Those kinds of things can be used to craft a pitch. Implementation details, eh, if you're talking about that, you've probably stepped over the line and it's probably time to just call it and then reach yep. out to them as a follow-up. Ah, I love it. Well, Chris, my friend, we've probably gone over time here. So I just want to say wonderful conversation. If this is the kind of stuff that you're interested in for those who are listening and, and obviously still captivated because we're just scratching the surface on this stuff, to point you to 100kfreelancing.com slash get more work. That's get dash more dash work. So go to 100kfreelancing.com slash get dash more dash work. What Chris is doing is if you sign up there, you'll see what the offer is. It's pretty, pretty compelling, some of the stuff he's giving away in the training. But he's also offering a, a copy of his book, Conquering Client Conflict, which is $29 regularly. And he's giving away a free copy right now if you sign up. So 30 bucks for a book that is probably going to add a lot of value to your coaching, consulting, client work, any kind of service-based work. All you have to do is go check it out. That's a, an incredible offer. But other than that, Chris, go ahead, take the floor. Where can people find you, reach out to you? Uh, the floor is yours. Thanks, Tom. First off, get more work. That's going to be a course that's coming out later this year. It'll be anchored by a book because I'm a book guy. I know you're a book guy too, Tom. So if you're a reader, of course, it'll be great for you. It'll be supplemented with all sorts of other media, but it'll be anchored by a book. Number two, that free Conquering Client Conflict book, there are hundreds of copies in circulation. People have added thousands of dollars in value to their business just using the very simple lessons built in so that they can avoid some of these trouble scenarios that tend to clog up the, the throughput of a freelancing business. So I'm, I'm more than happy to distribute that one for free. I, I hope you guys get a lot out of it. If you want to catch up with me, I'm big on Twitter. Love Twitter. I'm all over Twitter. You can find me at Chris underscore Hawk on Twitter. You can follow the 100K Freelancing Podcast at 100K Freelancing on Twitter. And uh, of course, 100KFreelancing.com for the podcast and ChristopherHawkins.com for the uh, consulting blog. That's about it, Tom. Chris, well, I really appreciate you being on In the Trenches. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.